Send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Brother Michael Bolton. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Our hope and prayer is that we're able to help bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo or Cedar Falls or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, and you'll find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Uh, we also have a bunch of free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible courses by mail, and we also love to study the Bible with folks in person. So feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our Facebook or YouTube uh, channels with the handle at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Last week, we were blessed to have Brother Mike Cole on the show with us from Marion, uh, Iowa, the Marion Church of Christ. And he was here talking about the importance of a godly home. And that's such an encouraging topic to me as a young husband and father. And I would suspect that it's even encouraging to the elderly and the senior citizens. Right, Brother Mike? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope you've uh, I hope you've been encouraged by that episode that as well. <laughs> so today, however, we want to explore the practice and uh, in, in the doctrine of speaking in tongues, and hopefully answer some relevant questions that uh, you may have regarding that practice. So before we get too far into our study, brother Mike, would you open us up in prayer? Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us, for traveling mercies this week as we go about studying and proclaiming your word. We pray, Lord, that you will bless us in this time together on this podcast so that we effectively proclaim what you have said about speaking in tongues. We pray, Lord, that you will open the hearts of our hearers so that they can receive your word and grow from it. And Father, we pray that you'll continue to give us open doors to serve you. We thank you for your blessings, for this avenue of prayer, for we know that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, the idea of speaking in tongues to many of us is probably not a new one. Uh, You've probably heard of the, obviously you've heard of the practice before, um, I know a little bit about your history. Have you ever worshipped somewhere that actually practiced speaking in tongues? Not on a regular basis, but I've visited several congregations that practiced it almost every time they got together. Gotcha. So, but it is a very, it, it's not new to us, but it is a relatively new idea after what we read of in scripture. That's right. And we'll, we'll read a little bit about that history. So, um, that's a very important point that it's new after what we read about in scripture the scripture is an ancient document by any standards it's one of the most ancient books in the world and what we read there is inspired so new doctrines such as speaking in tongues are contrary they've been added to the scripture Mm -hmm. and men who uh, develop these doctrines and these practices are doing what John warned us against in John 22, verse 18 and 19, and adding to the scripture. Moses also warned us against that in Deuteronomy 
um, chapter eight, verse four, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. I think though, it's easy for us, you know, we, you know, you and I both have very similar beliefs when it comes to doctrine and, right. and practice, obviously. And the one thing that we oftentimes say is, you know, we have to have uh, scriptural authority for what we do, what yep. we believe, what we practice. People that that believe and practice in speaking in tongues, they do believe they have scriptural authority for it. Uh, what are some of the scriptures that they use to show they have scriptural authority for it? Well, Luke recorded, you know, the events on the day of Pentecost that most tongue-speaking people base their doctrine in. And then there's uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that people draw some instruction from. And in each case, I understand them to severely misinterpret Scripture. That's one passage I have opened. Should we just read it? Yes. Let's take a peek at 1 Corinthians 12, Okay. Uh, verses 7 through 11. The Bible says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body uh, being many are one body, so also is Christ. So that's one of the passages um, that that people use to demonstrate or show scriptural authority for speaking in tongues. Um, Do you believe that that passage and the idea of speaking in tongues is uh, applicable to us today? No. Um, I believe that the gift of speaking in tongues was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps you could stretch it to say that it is a gift of the Holy Spirit because we still speak in tongues. Uh, English is a tongue. Mm -hmm. Other languages, Spanish, French, whatever the language may be, it is a tongue. And I believe those things are given to us by God to communicate with each other and to be able to communicate his word, his will for him to communicate to us with. But I do not believe that speaking in unknown tongues is a correct interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks will look at First uh, Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14 and come away with the understanding that uh, what they are hoping to receive from God is a prayer language mm-hmm. yeah. that they can communicate with God, to God with. God's already given us a language to communicate to him with. Mm-hmm. And he understands whatever tongue we may speak. Yeah. He definitely understands it. So, yeah. And we know that the, you know, the role of the Holy Spirit in that regard too, you know, the way the Bible talks about that, you know, makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And so that teaches me that whatever mm-hmm. tongues that men may speak in as a prayer language, like, they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. No. Groanings which cannot be uttered to me says that there's no human being in the world that can make known that of which the Holy Spirit uh, wants to make known to God. Only he understands those things 
that he's saying. Correct. We do not. I, I agree with you. So you mentioned on that. You mentioned Acts chapter two. Uh, let's read a couple of passages there. Um, yes, sir. Let's read uh, verse four. And they were all filled. And this is um, yeah. So on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then if we flip over to verse thirty-eight. Uh, 38 there, then Peter said to them, repent and let everyone you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many people think that that gift of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak in tongues? Or perhaps other supernatural gifts that may have been given uh, at that time. Well, and I think personally, uh, or one of the things that I found in my studies on this topic is uh, the gifts found in Acts chapter 2 is different than the gifts in Acts chapter 12. We see a difference of the gift of the Holy Spirit and a spiritual gift. (laughs) Two different things, or two different words, two different Greek, uh, Greek words that meant, referred to two different types of gifts. And yeah, spiritual gifts obviously is a very different thing than the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we could have uh, an episode on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's obviously a lot of disagreement on on that topic, but I don't think there's much disagreement in the fact that those are two different gifts. That's a major distinction that so many of our friends who believe and try to practice speaking in tongues have not comprehended or have missed in their Bible study that the gift of the Spirit is different than a gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit gives himself to us or is given to us in some measure when we obey the gospel. Correct. And I understand that as we grow in the word, he's given to us more. And so when he gives us spiritual gifts, which I don't really believe he does today, except through our understanding and study of of his Mm -hmm. word, um, when he gives spiritual gifts, they're not something that you grow into. They're something that he gives that you have. And if we do a deep dive into tongues a little bit, I mean, we could go so many different directions. The history of it and uh, the meaning of the word, I think these are all important questions. I don't think that we really have time to go into the history very much, but I would like to point out that the term glossolalia that we find in Acts chapter 2 is from two Greek words. And I am far from even being a Greek student. I barely know how to use a lexicon (laughs) to try to understand a word or two here and there. But glossolalia comes from two Greek words, glosso, which means language, and lalia, which means speech. In their, in their basic, most basic form, most rudimentary form. So we are not talking about some language that cannot be understood. In fact, if you look in Acts chapter 2, every time that you, talk, you see uh, the, the historian recording about the gift of tongues that was given, the word unknown is not there. Mm-hmm. I did what you did a few episodes ago and searched through the uh, copies of the English Bible that I have. Now, this is all English, but some of them come from different uh, sources or translated from different sources. And every, not every one of them speak of tongues as another language previously unstuttered. 
un, unstudied. So it's not an unknown language. Mm-hmm. It's a language that somebody knows, and the person who in Acts chapter 2 is receiving the gift has not studied that language before. Mm-hmm. And that was that that was miraculous. That was miraculous, you know? and it was um, it was something to accomplish God's purpose. That's right. And that's one of the things that that I think about with it is you know we oftentimes through Scripture see God using miracles to accomplish His purpose. Was that not the the reason for miracles? That's exactly right, and I think. Uh, someday when we study the idea of do miracles happen today or, or something along that line, that that will be a major point that we make then that we can make now and apply to the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost. The purpose for this miraculous given of a previously unknown, unstudied language was to glorify God. Mm-hmm. In that verse that you read, Um, in the context, in the next ver- next couple of verses, beginning in verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem de- Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because, listen, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And, this is verse 7, They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it we hear each in our own language in which we were born? What were they hearing? They were hearing a language. They were hearing. Galileans were typically understood to be uh, rubes or rather, rather ignorant, uh, poorly educated, if educated at all. These were not men who were typically known to have traversed the world and picked up (laughs) various languages. So these were men with limited ability to have studied speaking in a foreign language that they had never studied. And they were declaring the wonderful works of Mm -hmm. God, the mighty works of God. I think one thing to note on in, in that regard is... When we see miracles, and that's one thing that I, one of the many um, frustrations that I have with, with quote unquote, modern day prophets and miracle workers and things like that. I was watching uh, on YouTube the other day. Don't ask me how I ended up, ended up there is a related post, related post forever. And it came across an old like tent revival, you know, uh-huh. miracle worker, uh, somebody, you know, all of us would know. Um, and these these people, they perform a miracle, and there's this this guy in a wheelchair, and they they he heals him. You know, this guy's not been able to walk in 20 years, and and he heals him. <laughs> and this guy in the wheelchair, I mean, it takes every bit of his energy to stand up out of that wheelchair, and he's like, I'm I'm healed. You know, he was so excited, everybody was clapping and everything. That's not the miracles we see in the no, scriptures. That's not a sign of a miracle. Yeah, you take the man by the the um was it the pool of Bethesda and yep. you know, he leaped off the ground. That's right. And he had not walked uh I don't I think was he I think he was lame from birth. Yep. Or at least a young boy. Uh and he got up and, and ran. 
you know, and carried his bed, he carried with his him. bed with him, whatever, yes. whatever form that took, he took Correct. it with him. And so that's one thing with the, this, uh, with the apostles, when, when they started speaking in these, uh, other languages, I have every reason to believe that not only did they speak in these other language, they probably had perfect dialect. I think you're right. I, if you read further and, and continue and read that list and then study each of those groups, culture groups that are listed there, some of them can be grouped together as a, a, a language group. So you would have somebody, a couple of them coming from a Persian language group, and that means that it would be like a, a British per, a person from Great Britain coming to the United States. Yes, they speak English, but it's a different it's a dialect. Different language. Yeah. I mean, we see that even from the South going just as far north as we are here in Iowa. Watch it it's, now. It's a different dialect. <laughs> hey, I'm from Louisiana. So, uh, you know, but I, I understand yes. that when they were speaking these languages, they heard them in their own dialect so that they could understand mm-hmm. from their own culture. Because God was wanting to reveal his mighty, his wonderful works that were done through Jesus Christ. And and that, to me, is just a small way. It, it would have already been a miracle for these men to know these other languages. Right. But knowing those specific, you know, I don't know what the word is, but like the, the dialects, the, the, the different, um, you know, euphemisms and things like yep. that just added added to it. You know, uh, that's just, yeah, blows my mind and, and just proves how mighty of a God we serve. But that's right. it also proves how men today misunderstand the purpose of tongues. And uh, there's also passages, I don't want to get the cart before the horse, but gives rules. Like yes. in, in the scriptures, gives yes. rules to uh, speaking in tongues. We don't see that followed today at all, like ever. I grew up going to an Assembly of God church uh, or school, sorry, Assembly of God school, and they had chapel on Wednesdays. Right. Uh, this is when I was really young. My, my family and I, we weren't even in the church at that time. Um, they had speaking in tongue classes. <laughs> they would teach us how to speak in tongues. Mm. And once again, that's just not the pattern. They didn't have to be taught how to speak in tongues. Go back to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Nobody had to teach him how to walk. Correct. That's a good point. The blind man wasn't taught how to see. Yeah. I'm sorry. This, these are these are very valid points along the understanding of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I think we need to understand. Matt and I are not attacking our friends who speak in tongues or who believe this. We're trying to inform. This is what the Scripture says. And we might say you come from a different tradition or something like that. It's not about traditions. It's about what does the Word of God say. And when we look and carefully study and get the lexicons out and and understand what the Greek words actually meant when they were written, we understand that the tongues that are spoken of are languages, Mm -hmm. spoken languages at that time. Not an angelic language. Right. So... We talked earlier about miracles. Uh, miracles were used to serve God's purpose. I personally do not believe in miracle, modern day miracles. Um, I believe in works of God. I, be- I believe God intervenes or, or can 
do th- God answers prayers. Yes. We know God answers prayers, but an answered prayer is not a miracle. Um, when my youngest daughter, Clara was real sick. Uh, I mean, real, like her heart stopped. She had broken everything. Um, it was, you know, real traumatic, scary, sad time. They had over a dozen neurologists at one of the, the best children's hospitals in the Midwest to say that she was brain dead and there was no hope. And she's perfectly fine today. Not, I mean, nothing like she's a perfectly normal child. You know, how many people, uh, and bless their hearts. I, 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 this is not a vindictive thing at all, but they, they talk about how she's a miracle and, you know, yep. we would always hear miracle baby and, and things <laughs> like that. She recovered and, and I have, I have very little problem saying that she was an answered prayer. Uh, I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands of Christians were praying for our yes. daughter and our family at that time. Um, so I have no problems, you know, thanking God for answering our prayers because we prayed that God would heal her. And she was healed when doctors said it was imp- literally impossible. I have a written document <laughs> from the doctor wow. when we put in our uh, orders not to resuscitate her. She were to go back into cardiac arrest. And he put on that document that her chances of, of recovery are non-existent. Um, and so I have no problem saying she was an answered prayer, but while she recovered, we were there for a month, you know, we were there for, for, I think three weeks after she started to improve. That's not a miracle. If she, if it was a miracle, she would have leapt out of her bed, you know, yeah. she, and so, so I don't believe in modern day miracles. That might actually be something we could talk about at a future time. I don't want to sidetrack our conversation here, but miracles had a purpose what happened when that purpose was fulfilled when that purpose the purpose of the miracles when those pur- purposes were fulfilled miracles went away they went away and that's the that's what we see in scripture in first corinthians 13 verse this is 8. one of my favorite passages yes love never fails but whether there are prophecies they will fail whether there are tongues they will cease whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. You know, and so I fully believe that that miracles ceased when they accomplished the purpose in which God had set out for them. Was speaking in tongues a miracle, or do speaking in the speaking in tongues have modern day application or modern day purposes speaking in tongues on the day of pentecost was a miracle Mm -hmm. today we have the divine purpose to use our tongue our language to proclaim god's word we do not have a miraculous gift of language if we did, I would not need a translator when I That's go visit true. Cambodia Very or true. Nepal or something like that. Or or I would know beyond a shadow of a doubt because all of a sudden I'm now able to speak Japanese. I need to go do mission work in Japan. Yeah. You know, that's I we don't have that. If I were to learn Kamai and I actually believe I could if I applied myself, it would be hard, grueling work. We know a brother who is a lot smarter than me, who studied Kamai on a professional level for three years. 
at the end of three years, he was barely able to preach a sermon <laughs> in Kamai. Yeah. And this man already knew Spanish and English. Um, so it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Now, there's so much in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians is a, a letter of rebuke. And the primary purpose, Paul was rebuking the Corinthian congregation because of their mistakes in worship. They got so much about their worship wrong. And it's important that we get worship right. Part of the things that they were getting wrong is their emphasis on these spiritual gifts. That's true. And so 1 Corinthians 13, while we hear it read at weddings and see it written on romantic cards and things like that, and maybe that has an application, uh, we could debate that back and forth. But I think 1 Corinthians 13 is part of that rebuke where Paul is setting in order what you're emphasizing is wrong. Your priority is wrong. Your priority needs to be to love one another. And your love, because of your faith and your hope, will build you up and will carry you through the dark time. Tongues won't do that. Mm -hmm. He said tongues are vanishing away. And he meant the gift, supernatural gift of tongues. That they had at that time. They had at that time. But yeah. And that's what that's what you know Jesus did whenever he came here. You know, he was reminding them. He wasn't saying that they were wrong for following the law at that time. That's right. But that there was something that was coming. He's preparing. Something that's know, better. Correct. And that's that's the ticket, right? What you just said there. We are fortunate Amen. to live in the covenant that we live under. Hebrews is a chapter 8 that, that refers to a better covenant with better promises. Yes. And every aspect, in, in, in my opinion, I believe the Bible teaches this, every aspect of the the laws, the, the requirements that we live under today are, we are more privileged than those in covenants gone by. Yes, sir. How good God is. We, we talked a little bit about what the purpose of speaking in tongues, when we read of in scriptures, like on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Corinthian church, another reason why we don't believe in speaking in tongues today we could all probably agree i would say even our denominational friends would probably agree with us that it is a work of the holy spirit like it's a spiritual gift right um how did they receive that uh spiritual gift something had to happen something had to happen something had to happen that is not possible to happen today. That's right. So when those men died who had the ability to impart spiritual gifts, and I'm not sure that they knew what spiritual gift they were imparting, um, when those men died, eventually those gifts died out as well. Paul tells Timothy yep. in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, in Acts chapter 19 uh, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples said unto them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, which is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did they receive, does, does that passage, does it say that they then received the gifts of the Holy Spirit? No. No. But the next verse says, when they heard this, they were baptized, sorry, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the next verse says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Okay. And they prophesied. Mm -hmm. In that verse, that idea is that they taught. They gave lessons. They were not necessarily revealed something, but they taught something that they knew in tongues, in languages. Um, the whole purpose of speaking in tongues I have maintained for years is to declare God's will, to declare God's glory. An unknown language does not do that. Mm -hmm. It does not edify. Correct. It confuses. That's right. Um, the Bible talks about confusion in the services, in the worship assembly. Yes, 1 Corinthians 14. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, once again, kind of like what we said earlier, it had a purpose. Yeah. The purpose was to teach. That's what we see on the day of Pentecost. Could those, could those apostles have taught without tongues in that time they would have like us had to have had a translator correct and then we're fortunate today we yeah we have translators yes um we have technology we have google translate that uh i was you know we're planning to go to columbia here hopefully pretty soon and their Google Translate has a function that you can converse with somebody now. Yep. You can put your phone there and have a conversation between I mean, crazy, crazy technology. But their ability, they may not have had translators there. They may not have had people that understood their tongue, you know, their language. So this brings up what I think is a secondary purpose for the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost. It is a real purpose. But it applies, especially in our day. In our day, our society, especially in the States, is rife with uh, racism, questions, and, and problems, and issues, and things like that. The Jews are very well known, especially historically, for being very prejudiced against anybody that's not a Jew. Mm -hmm. Those men who were gifted the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost I understand right, they were all Jewish. And we read later where the Apostle Peter had an issue. He struggled with uh, accepting Gentiles into the church because of his Jewish heritage. I think that the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost was a sign to the believers, not only to declare the wonderful works of God, but if you look at the list of languages, most of them were Gentile languages. It was a sign to break the cultural barriers down sure. in, in that time. So in our, in our day, um, the purpose is to declare God's word. And we have God's word in 
such massive ways that we've never had access to before our time. You talk about being privileged. Yeah. I was downloading uh, some Bibles on an app that I use on my phone. I needed some ready access to some Bibles I didn't have in a conversation I had last night. So when I got home where I had good internet, I, I downloaded what I needed or what I had available on that one. And as I was scrolling through the list, man, there's oh, yeah. Spanish Bibles, there's French Bibles, German Bibles, yeah. Russian Bibles, Arabic, dozens of languages free for me to download on that, on that app. And that's just on that one, on that, that one, one app. app. And that's, that's mind blowing. The apostles didn't have that. Mm-hmm. They had the old Testament written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and and Greek, and they certainly didn't carry it around in their pocket. <laughs> they did not carry. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, it we yeah we're very very privileged today. I think it's logical to assume that we we read of that gift of the Holy Spirit being those spiritual gifts being passed on by the laying of hands. Right. We read a couple of passages. There's also several more, and we never see an example of that taking place otherwise. So is it not logical then to assume that once the apostles died, once these men died out who had that, uh, that gift, that there was no more spiritual gifts? I think that's the only honest logical conclusion we can reach mm-hmm. and and that's that's what i believe and if so tongues being a spiritual gift if tongues if those spiritual gifts died with the apostles you would expect to not find much information or much testimony to the speaking of tongues in the early church and we don't there's not there's there's very there, there's little of anything is said kind of after that period of time when the apostles died. But over the last 150 years or so, you're starting to read more right. and more about it. Right. My question to people who have who believe in speaking in tongues, who laid hands on you? I know multiple people, um, including people at that that uh, that school that I went to when I was growing up who believed in speaking in tongues, but they never had hands laid on them by an apostle, by, by somebody apostle. with, yes. And so Simon, the sorcerer, okay. You know, he wanted that ability. <laughs> he wanted the ability to be able to, to perform those spiritual act, those miracles. He wanted to pay for them. We don't, we don't see any other example of receiving spiritual gifts outside of somebody laying hands on you. Peter rebuked Simon for trying to buy the ability to give the gifts of the spirit, those spiritual gifts. I think that's important for us to understand. And I think tied right into that, or, or maybe even lead in that, we need to understand the concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was a promise. God 
promised that that was going to happen. We can read about that promise in the end of the book of Luke, like the last chapter, chapter 24. We can read about that promise in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11 or something like that. Jesus promised that the Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, or the Comforter, when he comes, John 17. These these verses promise that the Spirit is coming. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is promised. It is never commanded that we seek for it. Mm-hmm. It is never commanded that we have it or that we obtain it. Mm-hmm. Not once. When Cornelius was uh, being preached to by the Apostle Peter, I don't know if he had any idea or inkling about to get the baptism yeah. of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a record of it if he did. God promised that this was going to come and that this was given for a sign, but he was it was never commanded. Mm-hmm. So men who say that we should seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, they're adding to the scripture. Correct. There's a lot of ideas we read and we talked about what the purpose of speaking in tongues in the scriptures, what that purpose was. People today have differing opinions on the purpose mm-hmm. of speaking in tongues today. Um, I, I had written a couple of them down that um, there are some people that believe that you need to be able to speak in tongues to be saved. Right. I distinctly recall a group of, of, people that believed that speaking in tongues was a sign that you were saved that until you were able to speak in tongues that you were not saved people teach that you aren't mature uh spiritually until you do um a very famous televangelist made that very statement um there's some people that believe that if you can't speak in tongues that you need to be taught by somebody who is able to speak in tongues which um as you said, you know, they, nobody needed to be taught how to no. perform those spiritual gifts or, or the recipients of miraculous events. They never had to be taught how to walk, how to see, as you pointed out, and so on. One person uh, had a charismatic friend that told them just repeat this certain word like hallelujah over and over and over and over and over. I've heard that until, one before. Until you're able to speak in tongues. And eventually you'll, you'll just, that hallelujah will turn into this charismatic language of the angels. And that's just, unfortunately, it's foreign to the scriptures. We don't see that example in scriptures. Today, men say, as I mentioned a minute ago, a second ago, that speaking in tongues was is the determination of how spiritual you are or how close to God that you are. But we talked about a group of people earlier who had that gift of speaking in tongues. They were known for their gift of speaking in tongues. But Paul calls them unscriptural. He says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you carnal and are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So these are a group of people who had the gift of speaking in tongues, but Paul was not calling them 
uh, mature in Christ. He was yeah. calling them babes in Christ. And then he says, no, like mere mortal carnal men. Mere carnal. And so these people, the, this passage to me proves that speaking in tongues is not an indicator of how spiritual one is. So if we take the idea that we have talked about here, that tongues is actually a, a spoken language. It's not unknown. It's not an angelic, charismatic gift. It's actually languages. And when we are able to speak in multiple languages, we are super spiritual or we're more mature or something like that. I have to wonder, where does that leave those who follow Islamic doctrines when they're able to speak in tongues or Buddhist doctrines or something like that? Um, And by the way, I would say that too, that I know certain Hindus who in their prayer, when they are uh, involved in, in their spiritual work, whatever, I don't understand a whole lot of it, but I have seen it and I've heard of it, that they become so carried away in a trance that they begin to speak in some unknown language that only the gods that they're praying to can can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not seen that. I've, I've heard about it. So that, once again, you just mentioned a good point about people who don't believe in God, who don't right. believe in the true God, the living God of Israel, being able to perform these, what we would call spiritual gifts today, or modern <laughs> spiritual gifts or whatever, or the, that demonstrating how spiritual they are. We, we, we know that that's not true. There are gauges to our spirituality. Yes, there are. Uh, Galatians 5, I'm going to read verses 16 through 26. The Bible says, But I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the same things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealous, uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revilers, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the, uh, the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, having crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What is, what is Paul writing here? You know, to me, this is demonstrating that we can tell how spiritual we are by how we treat one another. And, and, you know, we very, a lot of people are familiar with the fruits of the spirit. Right. To me, that's the gauge. Are we fulfilling those things? Or we found in the aforementioned uh, passages. How we know that we're his and know, or know that we're not. Correct. The... I think a a big question, and this question can be applied to pretty much any episode that we air. What about people who have gone their whole lives 
believing, good, good people who've gone their whole lives believing in this practice of speaking in tongues for the reasons that we talked about. Maybe there's people that believe that it's a gauge of your spirituality. It's a sign of your salvation. It's a language of the angels. It's how you were heard to God, how you're, how you're made, you make your requests known to God. There's people that, that believe all these things or attend a church that, that teaches and practices these kinds of things. What do they need to do? Like what, what's the answer to those people who may be questioning that? First thing I would say to somebody like that, don't take my word for it. Don't take our word for it. Search the scriptures for in them you do have life. Mm -hmm. The scripture is the rule that we seek to. It's the words that are going to judge us on the last day. And if you're struggling with that still, reach out to us. I believe that either one of us, and I know that we know others, um, who would love to study this this doctrine with you in person if you're struggling with it. Very much so. There's always things that we don't understand that we need help learning. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 was a very well-educated, high of a man high in his uh, moral class and his social class. Mm -hmm. um, he was a good person. And here comes Philip, who is, we know was led by the Holy Spirit uh, to intercede or to intervene with the eunuch. And the eunuch recognized that there was more that he didn't understand and invited Philip to talk to him. And Philip was willing. He was, he got up in that chariot. Uh, he was pro in, I imagine that there was probably a part of Philip that was nervous um, who maybe didn't know if he had all the answers. I mean, he was he was a man just like me and you. That's right. Um, and so there's all it's always okay to ask questions and and seek to learn more. Ultimately, Satan has used religious division for centuries now. Yep. And and to pull people away from the truth. Jesus died for one church, uh, not one literal physical. He, Jesus didn't die just for the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ. Now, I do believe that the Christians that compose the Cedar Terrace, the congregation of the Lord's people that meets there, God or Jesus died for. But Jesus died for one set of doctrines, one set of beliefs. That's uh, right. Or he died for one covenant. And the way we show our obedience to that covenant is by obeying those doctrines that he teaches. And I know right now the big talk is regarding like the the Grammys and that I guess there is some song that was like Satan worship in the Grammys or something like that. <laughs> I haven't wasted much of my time researching it. But I did see one person that made a comment. There's, I guess there was a famous musician that dressed up like Satan, and it was just a very dark uh, song about Satan. Unholy. Okay. Unholy was the name of the song, you know. And there was one person that had made a comment on that video that said, this doesn't really even bother me because this is not what's leading millions and millions of people to hell. What's leading millions and millions of people to hell are good, upright people who are teaching doctrines contrary to the word of God. And that's a good point. 
and these are these are sometimes good people that um, just don't have scripture for for what they believe, practice, and teach others, and or, so or have misapplied the scriptures that they think they have. Correct. Paul tells Timothy to study to show thyself approved, right. to show yourself. You know, to for him to go out and study. Paul didn't say, "Take my word for it." Trust no. me. Trust me. I'm inspired. He nope. didn't say that. He told study him to go study it. Any thoughts before we close out, brother? I do hope that you'll reach out to us. This is a dangerous doctrine. Uh, we feel like it's on us to warn, but we hope that we intend to do so in a way that is loving and inviting because we want to study the scriptures with people in person and show them what the word of God says, not what Michael Bolton says or some other person says, but what God's word said, because it's there that we find life. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding salvation, worship, Christian living, speaking in tongues, or any other topic, please reach out to us and we'll try to help and try our best. And we'd be happy to help you answer those questions with the Bible as our authority. Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast, where we discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. Once again, if you're here with us in the Cedar Falls or Waterloo areas or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, and you'll find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources we can send you. We have Bible courses by mail. And we also love to study the Bible with folks in person. So feel free to reach out to us on our website at cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook or YouTube handles at cedarterracecoc, or you can reach us at the phone number or email address that pops up on the screen or in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Brother Michael Bolton. Thanks for spending your time with us today. And if the Lord is willing, we'll see you next time. God bless you.